This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Got all sorts of ideas today, don't I? Wow. Now I'm talking about podcasts. Our show particularly, folks, if you want to subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast, just simply do that. Go using your favorite podcast platform and look for Kelly and Company, AMI-audio and Kelly and Company, whatever. But whichever way you do it, folks, we'd love you to take some time to subscribe. Maybe give us a rating and review. Listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. We even throw an audio vanity card on the end of that. But we don't want you missing a moment of the program and the wonderful content that our our contributors and guests on the show bring forward. That's the Kelly and Company podcast, available to you using your favorite podcast platform. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. All right. Well, it's another month, another Wednesday, and it's another chance for us to talk health. So we're getting a chance to ask all of our questions today about diabetes with registered nurse Leslie DePoe. I'm Leslie DePoe, registered nurse. Until I got into healthcare, I didn't realize how many people around me had questions about taking care of their own health. So I'm really happy to share some of those answers with you. Join me for the monthly health check-in and we'll talk about everyday questions about everyday health. Most likely, Leslie, we've heard about diabetes either from someone we know and love or from the news or healthcare professional. But as we've covered many times in our chats, just because we hear a lot about it doesn't mean we know everything there is to know about it. So today's a chance to do some of this learning about diabetes and ask some questions to you. Absolutely. And uh, it's a nice little tie in November the 14th is actually recognized as World Diabetes Day by Health Canada um, and internationally as well. And I really love using these health promotion and protection days just as a chance to, like you said, just ask some questions, bring some awareness to these various conditions and, and topics and just have a chance to have an honest conversation. I feel like a lot of the times we hang on to questions like this and who are you supposed to ask? So hopefully that's mm-hmm. what we'll get to do today. Exactly. Health promotion and protection days. I love that. So we shouldn't be surprised to know that we're most likely starting with the definition. We're going to, but I'm just, I'm going to flip things on their heads just a wee bit. And I want to, I want to put it back to you guys and we'll kind of, we'll, we'll come up, we'll figure out what the definition is, uh, definition is together. But um, let me ask the question of you, because I feel like this is a very common one. How many, how many types of diabetes do you think there are? No wrong answer. I mean, there are wrong answers, but no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment if we don't know it. Okay. Uh, well, I've only heard of the two, mm-hmm. type one, type two. Type one and type two, but I think there are, I don't want to say subcategories, but there are some rare, rarer versions, if, if does that sound right? Yeah, that's totally okay. fair. So you're right. I feel like for the most part, we talk about type one and type two diabetes for sure. And um we can kind of go in and, and figure out what, what those look like and what those are. I mean, type type one is uh, is usually connected, connected more, pardon me, to like genet- genetics and hereditary. So this is when your body mm-hmm. actually can't produce insulin. Um, and it has to do with your body actually destroying the cells inside your pancreas that make insulin. So it's kind of, it's a type of autoimmune disease. It's normally, you figure that one out pretty early, um, childhood or, or adolescence. And for the rest of your life, you will, you will need to take insulin injections. There's no other way to get around that because that is the core, that is the core issue with type one. Type two diabetes, uh, which I think a lot more people hear about, um, kind of fairly or not dubbed the lifestyle diabetes. This is when your body can't 
either can't make enough insulin or it doesn't actually respond to the insulin that it makes. So there can be one of two things going on there, which is why how to treat it looks very differently depending on sort of who you are and and what the root cause of that was. So this is something you tend to see um, usually a little bit later in life, though we are seeing this increasingly in, in younger groups of people as well. Um, and there's a, there's a few different ways that one can be managed. Yes, medication is one of them. Yes, for some people that includes insulin, but it includes a whole host of other um, anti-diabetic medications that either affect our, our body's ability to create insulin, absorb it, use it, uh, regulate it. Um, pharmaceuticals are a wonderful thing for stuff like this. Um, and then, of course, healthy lifestyle choices can also play in on that. So the other sort of subtypes, if you will, but ones that maybe we don't hear a ton about um, are gestational diabetes. So this is something that happens to a mom during pregnancy. Um, it usually disappears within six weeks after the baby is born. Um, it develops during the actual carrying of a child. And it's not by a ton of people. It's about 4% of all pregnant women end up with gestational diabetes, but it definitely can increase the risk for both the mom and the child of developing type 2 permanently. Um it can also bring about some really high-risk complications in terms of pregnancy. It's, so it's something that that's looked for in pregnant uh, females and monitored for as well. And then maybe the fourth and final, we'll call it um, lesser-known subcategory, but is is pre-diabetes, which is kind of a, a category in and of itself. So pre-diabetics are people um, where you've got high, high enough blood sugar that it's higher than normal, um, but it's not high enough for a diagnosis of diabetes. And understand that diabetes isn't diagnosis of one-time blood, ch- blood sugar check where we say, ha I got it. You Look at you. It's so hot. I mean, we could all falsely um, increase our, our blood mm. sugar from time to time. So it, it's not a one-off thing, but so um, but, but pre-diabetic is sort of, you fall into this higher category, but it's not high enough for a formal diagnosis. Um, and so that's where, listen, if this is left untreated, more than half of those people with pre-diabetes will have type two within the next eight to 10 years. It can be prevented at this stage as well. It can be managed. It can be reversed at this stage. So it's kind of the pre-stage. So I don't know, I don't know how much we're going to include those definitely type one, type two gestational. And then, uh, we'll throw in a fourth category there as well for, for pre-diabetes as well. Um, so we've kind of covered the differences between those. Um, and I guess maybe just to sort of a, a quick pop review, if you will. Um, so true or false, this is for you guys, are any of those types of diabetes considered genetic? Yes, true. Type 1, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. There's a genetic component to the type 1. There, and, and some people can argue that there is a bit of a genetic component to the other ones, not in terms mm-hmm. of it being inherited, but... We know that there are certain things that put you at higher risk for diabetes, and some of those higher risk things, they can be genetic. So um, as you can see, some things here are just clear as mud. Um, So let's dig in a little bit further. (laughs) And and maybe first off, why is it that we hear so much about diabetes? And the reason for that is it's increasingly common. One in 10 people in the world were living with diabetes in 2021. That's over 530 million adults, and that is expected to rise to over 640 million by 2023. Um, So about, and and now this is something else to throw in there as well, almost one out of every two adults with diabetes remain undiagnosed, which is a pretty scary thing. So I mean, the majority- I can see that, man. I can see that. Right? I I know of too many people who have found out the hard way. And, you know, and that's just it. And, you know, while type 1 is more rare, there are, you know, still there's 1.2 million children and adolescents that that live with type 1. And, um, you know, as as you were just saying, Kelly, like, yeah, it is is possible to live with it and not know you have it. And it sounds like you guys have got some 
um, some experience with that or, or, or you've known some people that have kind of gone through something like this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely friends who have woke up in hospitals or, or even been told, hey, something must be going on with you because, oh, I think I'm all right, and being rushed into a hospital being told, thank God you came in today. That, you know, and that's just, it It really can be such a huge health risk. Um, and they, there are really kind of dis- specific and very distinct presentations of an uncontrolled diabetic with type one versus type two um, versus gestational. They like, they do look very different on presentation, but the bottom line with, with no matter what they are is it is, it is a medical emergency um, and absolutely if un, un, left untreated, you know, that has dev- devastating consequences. So, um, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely possible. That's for sure. And it's so possible to have it and not know it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. I mean, you, you know, again, depends on, and this is, this is why we're always chatting about having our health team around us and keeping up on our regular, our regularly scheduled visits and our regularly scheduled blood work. But absolutely it is, it is very possible, especially if you're someone who's ignoring warning, warning signs or just isn't regularly, you know, up on their own health for sure. Okay. Are there any one of these that are more risk of complications versus lesser if untreated or if undiagnosed? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I'm going to say they're probably, I mean, the thing about type one is that so often you're, you find out as a kid, in which case the complications are just that much more um, accelerated because you're a smaller body. There's a lot less room for error. Um, whereas you can make the same argument about gestational, whereas now it's not even one person we're talking about two and the complications that affect both of those people. So I think it really depends on the state um, and and certainly the state you find yourself in and whether or not you've had those leading signs, those those, you know, warning signs as well. I mean, this certainly doesn't mean we all need to go out rushing to our local emergency departments today just to make sure we don't have diabetes. Um, But there are ways for you to sort of keep an eye on yourself, you know. Um, And I mean, one of them for sure is to assess your risk. Um, Actually, I included a link that's going to be up on the blog as well. I did the assessment for myself yesterday because it's pretty interesting. But um, you can actually see where you fall based on things that you can't change. Like there are certain things you can't change. You can't change your age. You can't change your sex. You can't change, um, you know, the part of the world in which you live. Um, But there are certain things that you can modify and that that when we put all those pieces together, we can actually see a nice risk score and tells us, you know, sort of where do we fall. And and if you're higher up on that risk score and you are not up on your regular physical or your blood work, or you've had some weird symptoms, new or worsening, um, like tingling sensations in your feet or in your Mm. fingers, in your extremities, Um, you're feeling unusually tired, you're feeling excessively thirsty, you've got to go to the washroom a lot. You know, these are definitely red flags that need to be investigated. I mean, the thing, and I always hesitate when we chat about, like, should we all go running off to a merger or should I just deal with this on my own? I'm always on the fence about this, and I really can't stress enough to use telemedicine that's available to you to have a healthcare professional help triage you accordingly. There are things that you just cannot determine at home by yourself, and it is not fair to ask you to, and it's not your job. So I, I really can't can't stress enough, if you're not up on something, if you're not regularly in touch with your GP, if you're having some kind of symptoms you're uncertain about, don't hesitate to use those types of services that we offer here in the province and, and across the country as well um, to help determine what's my next step. Should I be running off to the hospital or am I, you know, am I okay to stay at home? Is this something I can do with my family doctor? Can you tell us more, Leslie, about these um, onsetting symptoms? you know, that you may experience if you're wanting to go to emerge or do that triage and, and talk to somebody. 
Yeah, I mean, so there's there's some stuff that we can, you know, there's sort of these chronic things that sneak up over time. You know, people refer to your BMI or your body mass index, which is a really crude way of calculating sort of whether or not we think your height to weight ratio is appropriate for your body. So something like that, that's not going to all of the sudden happen. So I often say, you know, emerge, a good way to look at it is these are acute onset things, um, symptoms. That's a good way to, that's a very rough umbrella for it, but that's where you're going that whether or not you've, you know, been slowly gaining weight and today just happens to be the day where you think, gee, I wonder if this might be a problem. That's not a trip to emerge. That's, that's something you can manage with a family doctor or walk-in clinic if you didn't have a regular GP. But when we talk about symptoms like, you know, blurred vision, um, you know, a frequent urination with no real uh, explanation for that, um, you know, a cut or, a, you know, th- those, well, let's start with those ones alone. Blurred vision, frequent urination. I could give you about 10 things I could diagnose you with. Well, you know, right. not me personally as a nurse, but nonetheless, it would fall under both those categories. But that's my point. It's like, you can't, you can't determine that on your own. Your average person just doesn't have those skills and nor should you. It's not, it, that shouldn't be up to you. So those are the types of symptoms where I think, okay, you need to contact a telemedicine, um, you know, and you need to have that conversation with, with a trained professional. Things like, you know, a cut or a bruise that's been really slow to heal. Believe it or not, that can be a really, that can be a sign of, of diabetes for sure. Poor, poor ability for your body to regenerate like that is a sign that your cells aren't working properly. It's very common in, um, in diabetics. It's one of the reasons that we're constantly telling diabetics to be checking their feet and making sure they're having regular foot exams. It's to make sure that we don't miss these little cuts that accidentally would normally heal on a healthy person, but they're not going to heal in these settings and they can, uh, you know, lead to complications. Is that necessarily the time you go running out to merge? Well, to be honest, that's a, that could be a yes or no question or answer as well. You know, in so many situations, I think what you really need to do is, um, you know, if nothing else, if, if you can, place the call, a call to your family doctor and say, listen, can we just have a quick chat over the phone? Help me figure this out. Our, you know, as we chatted last month, our healthcare systems are totally overwhelmed. The last thing I want to do is send you to emerge if you don't need to be there for everybody's sake. But, you know, at the same time, there's so many things that come out, whether we're talking about diabetes or we're talking about more acute um, you know, acute events where it's it's too difficult to ask people to try and determine the stuff on your own. And I think mm. having a hand in that is is very reasonable. And luckily, we have those resources here we can tap into. Absolutely. And speaking of those resources, you've given us several links that we can um, add to our blog, ami.ca slash Kellyco, where people can go and learn more. Leslie, thank you so much, um, you know, ahead of Diabetes Awareness Day, bringing this to us. Absolutely. Thanks as always, you guys. Thank you. Registered nurse Leslie DePoe joining us on the second Wednesday of every month, and that's dedicated to our health check-in. We'll step aside for a moment. And when we return, Grant Hardy, also uh, from our, of course, Vancouver direction, out here to talk today on what in the world, because he's got all sorts of things for us that make us say that. We'll talk to him in a moment. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.